Well, good morning, and again, welcome to Faith. Um, the message this morning is called Calling 101. English is a funny language, and it's like any of you that are new to English, English is a second language, you would probably wholeheartedly say yes, absolutely, because you know, we give you all the rules, and then, okay, this is all the exceptions, which is more than the rules, but it's like, it's a funny language. Many words have such diverse meaning. It's like, depending on the context, how they're used, it's like the same word can be used so many different ways. It's like, I've been called a lot of things. It's, some of them cannot be repeated from this platform, but it's like, but I've been called a lot of things, meaning referred to as. So called, meaning referred to as. If you're a sports fan, maybe your favorite rookie got called up from the minors, meaning recruited. So called, meaning something different. During a pastoral search for a church, we often refer to preaching the call, which is a way to describe the chance to preach before a congregation votes on the pastor. All kinds of like different ways to use the word call. In the church realm, people talk about being called or calling. I feel called to whatever. You know, I feel called to ministry, to missions, to, to a place, to a church, to intercede. But what do we really mean by when we say called in our context? Like what, what, what is it to be called or what is, is God saying when he, when he refers to that? Let me... Let me maybe begin by saying a couple things that calling is not, or maybe some misconceptions with calling. For example, there are folks out there that are working what we would consider pretty normal jobs, right? So they're out there, they're in the workforce, they're working these jobs, and they may also be, for example, a gifted musician. So someone might hear them play their instrument and watch them play, and, and, and in awe they would say something like, oh, you missed your calling like almost sympathetically, that you know, you, you missed your calling and as a musician. And I, I asked, really? Like, like um, is the ability to play an instrument really equate to calling to be a musician? Think of it, you know, in a, maybe in our church world, a person that has the ability to preach, you know, they're, they're good at speaking, they're good with words, and so they, can, they get their words out there and they can preach. Someone sees that and says to them, you missed your calling as a pastor. Really? Is the ability to preach or teach equivalent to being called to be a pastor? I would argue, and I've got the microphone, so today I win. I would argue that ability does not equal calling, nor does calling equal ability. I believe that it can be part of the equation, but it's not definitive. For the purpose of this message and for, for our discussion and as I continue on, I want, to, want us to consider that calling is a divine invitation or appointment initiated by God and extended to a person or people. Okay? So when I, think of, when I say calling, I want us to think of a divine invitation or appointment in, initiated and extended by God to a person or people. Let's pray at that point. Lord, I thank you. Lord, that you are a God that calls. Lord, and that, that we are here today, and Lord, I believe you are actually calling to us. I believe you're calling to us corporately as a church, and Lord, I believe you're calling people, calling to people individually in this room right now. God, I believe that you are at work by your spirit. Lord, you're doing something in our midst. You're doing something in this service. I believe you're calling people, Lord, and I just pray that as I speak, Lord, you will help me to articulate what you've laid on my heart. May I, may I be able to communicate the heart of God in this. May I be able to, to even 
inspire, equip, and release some people in what you've called them and who you've called them to be. In Jesus' name, amen. At its most basic here this morning, when it comes to calling, I would say that it would be the call to salvation. Like that's the basic level. The, the invitation to accept Jesus as Lord of our lives and to respond to that invitation to follow him. Like that's, that's a very basic calling and that is a calling. And I would expect that most of us here this morning have already responded to that call. And if you haven't, maybe today is your day. But as I think of that, I also believe that it goes much further than that. It goes much further than just accepting Christ or becoming a Christian. Because it says it's a, to be saved is to be a Christ follower. I mean, we know, all know that it's a great place to start. But to be a follower is to be going somewhere, right? And, and to be going somewhere, not just anywhere, but if you're a follower, that means there's a leader, so, so as followers, we're following as in going somewhere with Jesus, God, leading us by his spirit. Where the Lord leaves, we will go. Our Savior leads. To be a Christian is to be a Christ follower, to follow Christ. Let me, let me just give an example uh, in the Bible of someone who was called. Okay, so this, this, was the, this is the story of Paul and Barnabas and how they were called a certain way. And it says in Acts chapter 13, verse 2, and I think it'll go up on the screens for you. Acts 13, verse 2. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So we see this place of where they're, they're in worship together, and it's like, and God speaks. God speaks to the, to the people, and it says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work in which I've called them. Most of us would be familiar with the Apostle Paul. If not, I'll give you just a really quick. Paul was, was when we read the New Testament, many of the New Testament letters the, were written by Paul as he wrote to churches that he planted during his missionary journeys throughout the, the, uh, the, the, the area of Palestine and around there where he was ministering to them. And as he did that, he planted these churches. He was writing letters to them. But God called him to to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And that's a pretty huge, pretty huge call. He, we, we think of that, like think of it, the shipwrecks, the miracles that he saw, the message that he carried. He was, he had brushes with death. He had, he had moments where he spoke to thousands and moments when he spoke to a few. But there's this incredible, like he wrote like much of the New Testament. Now, we can hear that, and we can actually be intimidated by the idea of that as a call. I mean, because that was, that's divine call. That's God's invitation to a person to take, to, to do what he was called to do. So that was the call of God on Paul. And we can read that and go, that's, that's not me. We could read that and go, man, I, I, man they, they tried to kill him. It's like, no, he, he was shipwrecked. It's like, no, he, he spoke to thousands. It's like, I couldn't do that. I mean, I, could, I couldn't live up to Paul. I mean, you know, we, we start to talk to ourselves and like, like that's too much. That's, and we're intimidated by it. And you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. You could never be Barnabas. You could never be Paul. And you're thinking, wow, that's encouraging. Thanks. No, but seriously, it's like 
we've got to understand is like we can see the calling on somebody else. And as soon as we see that, we can be intimidated by it because we could never do that. You're right. But that doesn't mean you're not called. It means you're called to be who God called you to be. You're not called to be Paul. You're not called to be Glenn. You're not called to be Scott. You're not called to be any of those folks. You're called to be you. One of each of us is enough. Amen. We're called, so it's so important that we don't get so intimidated by it because when we start to compare, we can lose sight of the call of God. God knows. God called you and is inviting you to be all that he's called you to be. He's the God of the call. He's the God of the invitation. He invites us to participate in the divine nature. And listen, not only does he call us, but he empowers us. He graces us for the journey. It's so exciting to think that we're not only called, but he's empowered us. If you've got a Bible and you want to turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 8, it'll be, I'm going to be reading from the NIV, but 2 Peter, I believe it'll be up on the screen as well. So here we go. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It begins with this. His divine power. Whose power? Whose power? His divine power has given us everything we need. He's given us what? His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. His divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. You are called, and his power has given you everything you need for life and godliness. There should be a sila there. If you read that, in, in the Psalms, I don't know if, if you're familiar with that, you're going down through and all of a sudden there's this word, Selah. And you're like, what on earth is that? Selah is just a way for the psalmist to say, pause and think about it. Selah. God has, who has called you, and he has, his power, his power, has given us everything you need for life and godliness. Whoa. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 4. Through these he has given us very great and precious promises that through him you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to your, into goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and self-control, perseverance to perseverance, godliness and to godliness, brotherly kindness and brotherly kindness love. I'll do it again. I'll slow it down. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Add goodness. And to goodness, add knowledge. And to knowledge, add self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
It's a divine invitation. It's a calling. It's a divine process because it's not instantaneous. We add to our faith. We add these different things. But like every invitation, it requires a response, a yielding, a, a, a precipitation. No, that's when it rains. A participation. That's when we get involved. Words, right? We get involved. We want to be a part of it. Being a follower of Christ is not a passive thing. We're invited to participate in the divine nature, to add to our faith, goodness, goodness, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, love. We add to it and we see God develop us and we see those things come alive in us and we see the effectiveness of that as God empowers by his power, his power, his power. You've been called here today, and you're empowered here today. You've been invited to participate. But I want to release some folks. I want to help some folks that, that maybe feel like they're on the sidelines. You've been benched, or you feel like you're benched. I believe that there's been times in the church where we've elevated the call to vocational ministry at the expense of the call of God on everybody else. Now, I believe there's people called to be pastors. There's people to be called different things. But I believe sometimes we've elevated that some in, the, in the midst of the congregation where it's caused people to think that they are on the bench because they're not called to vocational ministry. I want to read a, a bit of a lengthy scripture because God's a lot smarter than I am. So if I say what he said, it makes me look better. So Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to read from verse 1 right down through to verse 13. But I want, you to, I want you to think about this in the context of calling. I want you to think about this in the context of being empowered by God. And I want you to think about this in the context of the church community, which we are a part of, us together here. I want us to think about that as we get down through. So Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Paul's encouraged in the church. He's like, guys, you're called. Live a life worthy of that calling. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. Whew. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. We've got one God, one Lord, one baptism, singularity in so many of those things. And then he says, but each one, the grace is given as Christ apportioned it. There's diversity in the grace given. There's a, there's a sense of, there's this beautiful expression of unity and diversity. And he goes on in the next verse, verse 4, 8. And this is one of those scriptures that scholars can spend years studying and still come out the other side and go, well, I think it means this. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does it mean he ascended, or what does he ascended mean except that he also descended into the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. That's just to say, Jesus has been there, done that, got the t-shirt. He's been, he's been at the lowest. He's been at the highest. Jesus fills the universe. There's no area. He is supreme. He is sufficient. He fills it all. Verse 11. It was him. It was he who gave some to be apostles, 
some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all, we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure and the fullness of Christ. Some, some, there's some folks here this morning, I believe God's calling to step out in faith, in the grace that God has apportioned to you. And you may never step behind a pulpit. You may never get a credential with the PAOC. You may never be called pastor. But believe me when I say you are called. And you are not somehow a second class part of what, sorry, part of what God is doing. Simba just cringed back there. Part of what we're doing because we're a part of something huge. Each person does their part. You are called. The people in the seats are just as called as the people on the stage. It just looks different. It just looks different. I love to study the Bible. But for me, I'm a stickler for application. It's like sunscreen. It's no good if you don't apply it. You can, take, you can tweet that. <laughs> You're on your phone anyway. No, just kidding. <laughs> I love to study the Bible, but it's no good if we don't apply it. It's like sunscreen. For me, one of the keys to this is found in the nature of divine call. It's an invitation. You know, we sometimes get invitations in the mail. Maybe it's to a wedding. Maybe it's to an event or whatever. And part of that, you get down to the bottom of the page, the invitation, RSVP. Everybody may go, well, what's that mean? And usually there's a date, by such and such. Well, it's actually from the French. Respondez, s'il vous plaît. And it means, please respond. Which is, as your pastor, I, I would love to put that at the bottom of every email I send, but it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. It's pastor troubles. Don't, I'll be fine. It's okay. RSVP. When I think of the calling of the first disciples, this is like a, a case study, if you will. If you're wondering what call an RSVP looks like, <laughs> you're going to love this. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus is, is, is just beginning his earthly ministry. He's been baptized. He's called. He knows it. He's got the, God has said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Like he's been, he's been commissioned. He's been empowered. He's been sent out. In Matthew 4, 18, he starts to, he starts to gather his crew. He, he starts to get his boys together. And so in Matthew 4, 18, it says, as Jesus was walking beside the sea, of the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. All right? Ornery, stubborn, Rough fishermen. You think, you know, I mean, imagine they probably didn't even smell good. Okay, so just here they were. They were there. They were casting nets into the lake for they were fishermen. I love this. Verse 19 says, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. 
Get this next verse. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Invite and response. Come follow me. Immediately they left their nets and they followed him. So Jesus said, this is working. He keeps going down the beach. He's going on from there. He saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. Invitation and response. And we know Jesus goes on from there, and he collects the rest of them. And we, we, we watch this played out, and he, he calls them to a specific call, and we watch them turn their known world upside down as they continue to extend the invitation to whosoever will. Come follow me. Come follow him. Accept Jesus. Listen to the message. Hear the gospel. Invitation and response. Invitation and response. And it continues, and it goes from town to town and place to place. You see, the call to follow Jesus is not an invitation to watch the game. It's an invitation to participate in the game. This is, this is Super Bowl on the field, not in the rec room. Like, we can all be kind of, you know, armchair athletes where we know how every play should be played, but that's usually if we're sitting on that side of the screen. But Jesus is calling to something much more exciting and much more risky. He's calling us with an invitation to come follow me, and he's looking for a response. R-S-V-P. It's a call to engage in the plans and purposes of God for our homes, for our towns, for our cities, for our nation. It's a call to take up our cross daily to follow him. Not just saved from something, but saved into something. <laughs> the call to ministry, the call to radical obedience, the call of God the drawing of the Holy Spirit to come higher, to push in, to go deeper. Oh, God. I hope you're here in my heart because I think God is calling us this morning. There's an invitation that's going out across this church and across our city. And it's an invitation to radical obedience. And you know what? It looks different for all of us. I believe there's some business folks in this room right now that you are called to prosper in the workplace. God's given you strategies, given you connections, given and prospered you. And some people have actually made you feel guilty for being successful because it's secular. I'm sorry, but secular is a cuss word in my vocabulary, so I'll be careful. But God's given you the ability to do that, and some people have condemned you for being successful. Can I just say, thrive in the calling that God has given you. If God's called you into the marketplace, into the workplace, he's called you there for a reason. He's given you influence for a reason, to carry the gift that he's placed within you into that context. And you know what? You can go there, you can reach people, and you can make an impact that I can't make. There's young people here this morning that in your school system, you are full-on ambassadors for Christ in a school system that, you know, many times out there can be a bit messed up. Let's just say that. But you have an opportunity. It may be, it may be in, the, in the middle school, elementary school. It could be even up through. I mean, I love the idea that we've got people on campus in Dalhousie and different campus ministries around our city as students 
I mean, that's missions work right there. I mean, that's, that's cross-cultural missions when you step into that. But you're called, and it's like, realize that what you carry, he, his power has given you everything you need in the place where you find yourself in that moment to walk with what God called you to do. And you can make a difference. You can make an impact. You can be an ambassador for Christ. I love our senior citizens. I love those that are here, part of this church, that are, are maybe they're retired. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes you can get sidelined and cast off and kind of feel like, you know, your use-by date has been reached. You get shelved. You're not able to do the things you used to do. And in, and in the midst of that, you might be feeling just not even wanted. I believe that there's a call on a previous generation, even in this church. There's a call on you to intercede and believe for and encourage and pour into and speak life over the next generation. You are far, like as long as you're still breathing, you're still commissioned, you're still called, you're still part of what we're doing here. Like until you're pushing daisies, you, you need to be pushing the next generation forward. And to, until, until God says, all right, you're done, you're not done. And I believe as we recognize that from your pastor, we are in desperate need of you and your prayers. We are desperate need of the encouragement that you bring. I am in desperate need of those hugs that you give. We can't do this alone. You guys pray in a way that we haven't learned yet. Because you, you don't come by that by accident. You have to go through a few things before you can actually pray that way. And you have. And you've come out, come out the other side. And you're an example to the rest of us. Please, know your calling. And know that you're valued in the midst of what we do. Please, don't stop interceding. Please, don't give up. Please continue to pray. And do whatever God puts in your hand to do. If it's, if it's the, I love the seniors lunch that they do downstairs. And, and they bring seniors from all over the city. They bust them in. They feed them really well. Right? It, but it's like, it's, it's, it's determining, I'm not done yet. Give me my mountain. I think I'm allowed to say this, and I'm going to. A lot of you might know Keith from over at Mosaic, Keith Wells. We get coffee fairly often. He's a fairly prophetic guy. And this is to encourage the saints here. He said, as he was praying for the church one time and for me and for even for John Chain and something like, he feel, really feels like the Lord said to him, he says, listen, you guys better put on your seatbelts. You're in for quite a ride. He says, because God told me that he's beginning and in the process of answering the prayers of bygone saints. That there's been saints in this congregation that have been praying for years for things that aren't gonna, you're going to see. Get ready. Get prepared because what God wants to do, you're going to see in your lifetime. Prayers of the saints. Prayers that have been prayed years ago to see fulfilled. I believe that there's, there's mums here today. And you might not even have any kids of your own. But you've got the heart of a mother 
And there's a calling on your life to express the mother heart of God for the next generation. You know how to love unconditionally. You, you know how to embrace. You know how to nurture. You know how to encourage. You know how to pray. And it's like, and if you've got young kids or you've got, you know, it's not usually all that glamorous calling, but it's like maybe you've got a sense of where you're in the trenches. Yes, diaper wars. But you're in the trenches, right? You're taking care. You're nurturing. You know, you're pouring into. And it's unseen, and it's behind the scenes, and it's not always appreciated. And you're thinking, does this even matter? It's like, I'm not making any difference to anybody. It's like, what's the point? It's like, I feel so tired, used, but like I'm not accomplishing anything. Can I just say, God sees you, and the next generation needs you. There's, there's, there's people in this room that have got parents' hearts, mothers' hearts, and it may be for teenagers, it may be for younger, but you've got that heart, and God has called you to be that person that, you know, you open your home, you open your heart, you open your lives, and people walk into it that wouldn't walk into anybody else's, and suddenly they just pour out their heart to you, and you have a chance to minister to them. Don't neglect your calling. The next generation is dependent on it. The future of this church is dependent on it. People, we are called. This church. The calling on this church scares me to death, which is awesome. I'm a little bit of an adrenaline junkie. Sometimes I don't know whether I'm going to make it or not, but... The call of God on this church. I believe we are called to be this city's church. We are not called to just survive. We're not called to just get through. I believe we are called to be like a city on a hill, a light that cannot be hid, to bring influence, to bring hope, to bring truth, to make a difference in every sphere of life around our city. We are called. Faith Tabernacle Church is called to be a church in this city that is the city's church. That's us. And the same God that called Paul, the same God that said to Jesus, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, you might want to listen to him. The same God that called Billy Graham, same God that called John Chain, same God that called me, is calling to you today to be who he's called you to be, to step out in faith and to believe him to take care of the details. I got four letters for you. R-S-V-P. For the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of this church, for the sake of this city, for the love of God, please. R-S-V-P. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you for the call. We thank you, God, that it scares us <laughs> because we know that if it scares us that we'll rely on you even more, and we do. God, I recognize that we can't do this without you. I recognize that I can't do it without you. And Lord, all the folks in here recognize, Lord, we can't do what you've called us to do in our own strength. So God, I pray for an empowerment today. His power, his power will give us everything for life and godliness. I pray your power at work in us. 
Lord, that we would participate in the divine nature, that we would, we would surrender to that, that we would respond, that we would say, here am I, Lord, send me. God, for those in these different areas that I might have mentioned and others, Lord, that I didn't mention, but God, you're calling people to things. And Lord, maybe you are calling people to full-time ministry. Maybe you are calling people to be pastors, people to be spokespeople for you in different ways. Lord, whatever that is, God, we just say yes. We just say yes. And Lord, we just pray that you would change us. We would engage in the process and your divine nature would be manifest in us and that your kingdom would come in our city. In Jesus' name, amen.